0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Football Ramble Norwich are down, North London is white. It's Monday, the 13th of July. I'm Kate Mason.
4: I'm what remains of Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushila Hunter
2: Raja.
0: Monday the 13th of July, Jim. Mm. Unlucky for some.
4: Yep. What are you getting at? <laughs> <laughs> How
0: are you doing today?
4: Yeah, I'm alright. Same as any day, isn't it? Yeah, no, and then I know. When you've lost hope, it's sort of, it's all sort of just sort of one flat grey landscape. So, North London's not white, actually, it's grey. It's completely colourless.
2: Just like when mum and dad used to fight. <laughs> <laughs> it has got feeling of that, really, like, yeah, a lot right? of passive aggression.
4: Oh right, I thought you meant. For, I thought you were putting yourself in my shoes. I was like, no, I used to feel things then.
2: <laughs> back when I used to feel things. Oh god, Vesh, you still feeling things? You know, I'm, I'm feeling great actually. It's nice to be in a position where your team aren't giving kind of light relief to your bitter rivals, Jim. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel I feel really great. I don't know how. Um, you talked about the other day about how Danny Welbeck's overhead kick had kind of created some kind of issue with the time space line, and suddenly you know nature was healing. Yeah, um, and I cannot abide by that because it is really unsettling having a Manchester United team that are functional while everything else burns. So
4: <laughs> I don't know. I um, think a Jose Mourinho team kind of exploiting an Arsenal team by just letting them destroy themselves is pretty like consistent, isn't it? Yeah, that is. That actually sort of fits up with a, a return to reality, does it
2: not? Yeah, it does actually, yeah. There was something about the North London derby that was, you were kind of everything gearing up to it was the fact that, right, Mourinho, this is it. This will be the game where suddenly he's... He might walk away himself into mm-hmm. into the pit of fire, into the abyss. Yeah, yeah. You know, in in, in three hundred, where the guy gets kicked down the um, the black hole. But Mourinho will do that to himself and drag Spurs with him, uh, and then somehow they won because, as you say, they just let Arsenal destroy themselves.
0: Well, we can come on to. I mean, loath as I am to stop the train of this particular thought process. Yeah, Jim, mm. I um, think we have some. Other news to cover before we get to the the crux of the North London matter. And that is Manchester City. Yes. So the news is out, posted on the cast website, 9.30. We were there, ready, ready to receive it. And the news is that... Manchester City will be playing in European football for the next couple of years. A victory certainly.
4: for the underdog. I'm sure we can all agree. <laughs> for the little guy yeah. so standing to, up to the those fat cats at City Hall.
2: Yeah,
0: that is love. It's lo- it's lovely. It's lovely to see. Um, just to cover it off quickly, they basically said um, that the two-year ban was effectively excessive and that the fine was too much as well. So it's been reduced from 30 million euros to 10 million euros. Um, the idea is that most of the alleged breaches reported by the adjudicatory chamber of UEFA club financial control body say that in a rush were either not established or time barred. Mm. And that they the problem mainly was that uh, City didn't initially cooperate with the investigation
4: yeah which is still uh, why are they not cooperating and the the time barred thing is is interesting as well isn't it because obviously it's quite opaque and uh, there's a a lot that um, I guess we'll never know about that but um, for a a brief moment it looked like you know the Champions League was going to go down to fifth and that was going to be really exciting in a in a in a season where you know one team has just run away with it, we had that little sort of snippet of something a little bit more interesting, and that's been taken away by the admin bods.
2: Well, it is interesting that Man City join Paris Saint Germain and AC Milan as the the other teams who have successfully lobbied against the UEFA decision via CAS. And as you said, yeah, it is it is just another win for the little guys, isn't it? When you read those teams out yeah. together, but yeah, no, it, it does kind of imprint a bit of itself in the on the league. I know there were wider issues about FFP and kind of, you know, while it is being suspended for COVID, um, I think it's actually quite a big blow for FFP in general. Yeah. I think there's the premise behind it was absolutely sound in terms of making sure that teams were more financially robust. I think that is the key issue with it, with it beyond, I suppose, any kind of money, financial doping, if that's the right mm. way of putting it. But, um yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if you looked on Twitter anyway, which obviously is no measure for anything. That's actually I, how they did the the appeal, isn't it? They yeah, just put it yeah. to Twitter.
0: Mm. Yeah, Little they,
2: poll.
4: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of cry-laughing emojis. Um what do we read Not into sure that? what to read into that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just give them a fine.
0: All right. So... What it means, really, in more in terms perhaps that concern us more in the the body of the football that we like to talk about is that, of course, Manchester City have already qualified for Europe in terms yeah. of their points total. So they are going to be playing in Europe. Liverpool, of course, are going to be playing... The champions are going to be playing in Europe. And now there are only two other places up for grabs currently.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've kind of... sympathy is probably the wrong word because it'd be strange to gear your activity or your work ethic towards this kind of administrative decision. But... I do wonder if certain teams who've had their foot off the gas are suddenly thinking, oh, shit, right, actually, yeah, we've got to start paying attention mm. again now because it's, it isn't as as open as we thought it was.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It does seem strange that you would take your foot off the gas like that, Leicester, um, to start <laughs> with. But if, it actually looks like Man United are really in pole position now because Chelsea's um, you know, flaws have been exposed over and over again. So um, yeah, it, it has really been a weird little kind of um, psychological factor um, since the the initial ruling was 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 handed down, so it's it's fascinating to see how these these final few games play out in terms of you know who's going to who's actually going to finish fourth because it looks a lot more open than it once did.
0: Yeah, and people just repeatedly keep losing to Sheffield United, so yeah. you know
4: who knows. Chris the doesn't want us to
0: talk about it, but I think it's fun to talk about that. Two people, frankly, two people, two clubs who aren't really would we say they're in the conversation?
2: They're they're certainly in this conversation and specifically to you two, your conversations earlier. Mm. Yeah, I
4: mean, I don't know that Arsenal are in the conversation anymore. Uh, A friend of mine who's a Spurs fan, uh, we we sort of help each other through this because it's such a stressful game. Uh, At the end of it, he consoled me by saying, oh, cheers for the Thursday nights, which I think is sort of a way to look at it because it is like, I don't know, the game was not, as kind of frenetic as it usually is and i wonder if that's because of the the weather for one thing cause it was really hot it could have been flying ant day uh it, it was is flying true, ant though? day Eight in the yellow UK. cards,
0: classic bit of eight yellow card and action and
4: jose isn't it then uh, <laughs> three
0: four so and you know given there's no one in the stadium you've got to expect there'll be a little bit less yeah but I,
4: but the, the, there's so much oomph normally in the game i don't know maybe i'm looking at through through the lens of the league's positions but it felt to me like it was two bald men who'd who'd Collectively realised that they've actually got no use for the comb, uh, and it wasn't perhaps as, as 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 frantic as it normally is. Um, so the it was comb phrase, in that in in that metaphor, the comb represents trying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously it was, it was still a still a game where a lot was the lot was resting on it. But I just felt the. Um, it, again it was just such a frustrating display as an Arsenal fan I'm sure you would disagree with me Kate that I'm sure it was very d- enjoyable performance from Arsenal's point of view from, from where you're sat uh, but just the, the Kalasanax pass it was I mean there were a lot of passes around the back that were just too short but that one that one was absolutely ridiculous like I'd, I'd already predicted that we would concede at that point because it's just what happens in this sort of situation but I mean he had a pass onto Kieran Tierney and instead he decided to turn around and run away <laughs> and then play a really short pass to David Luiz, who even when it, you know, if it gets to him, he's David Luiz. So that's going to be potentially, um, you know, a problem anyway. And it's just so frustrating. It just shows real lack of character to to respond to being, being, you know, receiving the ball in that situation. I think one of the problems that Arsenal have is a lot of dickheads in that squad. And that is some quite dickheadish behaviour, if you ask me. But supposedly... Maybe I'm, a- I'm too emotional after the fact, but... <laughs>
0: You're doing really well, mate. And and you know, frankly, so this, of course, is Spurs 2, Arsenal 1 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 100% North London derby record for Tottenham. Although, of course, (laughs) in the Women's Super League were beaten there earlier on in the season. Um, What we have was a little bit of a chance for Jason Mourinho to patronise Mikel Teta after the game as well which was thoroughly enjoyable Mikel found a way for them to be stable and to improve and they are improving mm. thanks Jason. I expect view, you yeah. thought and frankly you know I'm not going to I'm not going to go after you here Jim I have nothing but, but sympathy frankly yeah well, beforehand, I mean, I don't know how you felt about it, but I just wasn't excited at all. I didn't feel as though anything good could come out of this. So now that I have the joy of sitting here on Monday, having frankly, yes, quite enjoyed it. Yeah. And obviously, Nick, the three points and gone above Arsenal in the table. Do I need to summarise any more? Or no, have you, got you can.
4: I was sorry, I, was, I wasn't really listening. So I was just, you know how Sherlock Holmes has a little mind palace. goes off into I've got one of those and it's got a trophy cabinet in it so I'm just having a little just having a little stroll around that but
0: Sherlock Holmes tends to have useful things in there doesn't he so he can like solve cases
2: I don't know are you sure yeah no mine's
4: just full of nostalgia
2: are you sure it's not a panic room (laughs) there's
4: one of those in there as well (laughs) but yeah that's actually separate that's just I use that in my day to day life
2: I really I really went into that game and thought that it was Arsenal's for the taking not least because of Arteta and his improvement over the last month or so um, but also just given the noises that were coming out of Spurs with that kind of this kind of existential dread mm. and you know Spurs are just and Mourinho specifically are now just super spreaders of misery aren't they <laughs> because <laughs> winning didn't really give them anything i don't think spurs fans are particularly happy no i feel with joy. the way that they yeah okay right but then your your misery is going to compounded next you know when you have a performance that you're not going to be so proud of i think so you we, you Newcastle, have
0: yeah. you have no feeling that this represents any kind of progress
2: no, not, not from what I gauge. No, beyond the actual the, the actual joy the Spurs fans would have felt from, from mm. beating Arsenal and those Spurs players would have felt from doing the same on the field. I don't think there's anything particularly that they can take out of that game given that it was an archetypal Mourinho performance that wouldn't have been possible without Arsenal's mistakes and therefore there isn't necessarily much to build on going forward.
4: That said though, that is a big part of Mourinho's Style, isn't it? It is identifying the weaknesses of of his opponents and letting them sort of do it to themselves. So, mm. I, I was a bit concerned about you know the things people were saying about Spurs after the Bournemouth performance, which was very very flat. But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, this is so bad that they're going to get a rollick in on the on the training ground and and raise it for the next game. And I think to to the degree that they needed to, that is what they did, and uh, I think it had. This game, I, I watched the game and the highlights on Match of the Day because I'm a professional glutton, glutton for, for punishment, punishment. <laughs> and it, it did have my my highlight of the season in terms of commentary, which was um, Jonathan Pierce talking about Harry Kane. It must have been a slip of the slip of the tongue, but he said he's isolated the Mustafi. (laughs) That is that is how you beat Arsenal, really. It wasn't even one of his worst games, but he did have he had a couple of mistakes that we sort of got away with. There was one where Kane was sort of (gasps) Kane was on the ball on the left, and Mustafi it was like he ran at him, and rather than try and tackle him, it was like he thought I'll try and be a bit weird at him and he it was almost like he blew on him and then fell over it was just like oh come on Are we still we're still doing this it's sort of the north london derby is like it's, it's like hanging out with a really hedonistic friend you know it's like i'm going to this i love this but it's painful and it's it's going to hurt for days and i'm glad i don't do it that often <laughs> uh, but i sort of can't get enough of it at the same time
2: the way you described Mourinho there of of letting arsenal kind of inflict pain onto themselves i just had this image of <laughs> Kolasinac and Louise kind of strapped to radiators in a room, and there's one, there's one hacksaw in the middle, and they've got to decide what to do with it. Um, yeah,
4: and they run into each other yeah, somehow. What that's, knock each other out?
2: That is endemic of of those two players. That I watched that you know that first song goal, and I couldn't decide who was at fault mm. because both of them are capable of stupidity, yeah, and nonsense. And I don't think you would feel anyone feel the other with much encouragement if they weren't to be blamed by that because i could I think there is an argument to say that louise actually comes too close for the pass that is clearly only going to be played to him at a point mm. when klasnach turns towards his own goal so uh, yeah.
4: I think, yeah, he's not expecting Kolasinac to do that. And by the looks of it, Kolasinac wasn't expecting himself to do it. So it's a big, it's a big old mess, isn't it? But I think that you've got to ask questions about why, when there's Rob Holding and Socrates on the bench, that Kolasinac is there at all. Clearly it was a sort of tactical attempt at I don't know, having a little bit more mobility coming out of the back uh, that Arteta was trying, but I don't think it worked. I think he saw Kieran Tierney literally having taken his place. Goes, oh, I don't like that. Run away from that. Give it to, the, <laughs> to David. Uh, it's just... Just very, very messy. And, you know, Arsenal, um, for for all their possession, they had a few chances, but nothing hugely clear-cut. I think both Young shots were... I've seen people saying Young should have done better with those shots, but they're both quite tough angles, and the second one in particular was was taken very quickly. But, yeah, the the really depressing thing is next season is this minus Aubameyang, you would think, for Mm. Arsenal, which is going to be really, really tough. And, yeah, it's just... uh, it's rubbish. But it's this or rugby, isn't it? So I'm going to have to stick with it.
0: I feel a little bit like I'm Jose of this pod right now because yeah. I'm sitting back and just, just quietly, letting you just, just letting you
4: Beat myself work up. it all
0: out. I mean, you haven't even <laughs> mentioned... There was a highlight for Arsenal, if you recall. Oh Alexander God, Lacazette's yeah. goal. You just haven't even remembered it because there was so much
4: pain. It was brilliant, though, wasn't it? It was a great goal, it though. It was a great it's goal. Just, it's, that, I think... I think there's an argument that's one of the great Derby goals, right, in mm-hmm. recent years. But will it be remembered without the fans? I know like a lot of people are talking about this a lot, but I think are these goals going to stick in the highlight reels in the same way? Yeah.
0: I mean, the other thing is, you know... <laughs> One goal in a 2-1 defeat it doesn't, yeah, necessarily yeah, it doesn't necessarily warm the cockles in the way a last-minute winner does. Or indeed, <laughs> S- Son becoming the first Spurs player to score and assist against Arsenal in eight years since. Do you want to hazard a guess as who that was the last Spurs player to do that? In Robbie Keane. Years. Spurs player. I'm looking at you, Ars- Arsenal. I'm
4: looking at you, Arsenal. <laughs> so eight, in eight years. Uh, so 2012, that would 2012, be. 2012 out At a uh, Nice. I'm surprised Ten by points. that. Yeah. that's that's a that's a really weird little stat. I actually I have a bit of of, bone of contention here as well. Um, Do you? With, with Tell T- us. Let it, let it all out. Head. Do you remember when the Predators came out? The, the the boots Predators the Adidas ones had they had those little like rivets on them, the plastic yeah. ones, and they there was like oh, it makes you kick it super hard. It's like it's like it's cheating. Mm. I am a. I think there needs to be an investigation into the wedge of hair wax at the front of Toby Toby head. Is that giving him an unfair Advantage when it comes to headers, I mean, I think, I think, that's think putting you're... quite a lot of power in it.
0: Sorry to cut in here, Jim, but I think looking at Daniel Bias' wedge of hair wax, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think
4: you know, he doesn't like heading, he likes trapping the ball and then spinning around, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So, I don't think it's the same actually.
2: That, um, you, that mention of the predators reminded me of when, um, I think I was uh, like eight or nine at the time, maybe, maybe ten, um, and I went to the shop with my mum to buy some football boots, and the predators were there. And I was like, I really, really want them, but they were ridiculously expensive. So my mm. mum was talking to the shop assistant about them and they were like, yeah, it gives you, uh, it was something like 30% extra curl and like 25% extra power. <laughs> and my mum just looked him up and down and went, he's 10. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgiven her for
4: that. Oh, but your mum was ultimately right. You can't, oh, she can't just, go if she just backed your natural,
2: natural curl abilities. You're saying my mum backed my natural abilities? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. I would ring her up now and tell her to dispute that but she probably wouldn't answer my call so she's too
0: busy listening to the to the pod religiously yeah, as she true. does every day I hope day. not
2: actually because last week I admitted to smoking and that she would kill me <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Vish oh. was like
0: could you possibly edit that oh, out we did not that's adorable <laughs> that's so naughty am yes. oh. um, look I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice, but Tottenham did win this game. And, and I feel as though we've given a lot of the floor over to negativity about Tottenham over the last few weeks <laughs> yep. and indeed generally. And I, and fair enough, no one was more kind of morose than me after that Bournemouth, can we call it a performance if it has no performing in it? I don't know. Anyway, the game. Um, so I, I do feel a derby win will give you that, the mm. feeling of positivity. But one thing I did like was the way that for example just before the end so probably 89th minute there was a yellow card on Bakayo Saka because he basically had a little tussle with Musa Sissoko and Sissoko was using his his experience and he used it it was a mature performance they there were periods obviously Mm. when Arsenal seemed as though they were in control but in fact
4: the plan all along
0: correct yeah and so I think You know, let me have this. Well, I was going to say,
4: say, like, as as a Tottenham fan, obviously, you know, with with a style that you've been used to under Pochettino and a style that is kind of synonymous with the club, which is completely different from Mourinho. For sure. do you see that as a sort of encouraging sign that next season, when Mourinho does have his feet under the table a bit more, because um, the, the aim is to win something, right? Correct. Because yeah. that's that's why you bring Mourinho in. Because even when you know he annoys everyone and stuff happens, he wins trophies, and that is perfectly aligned with what Spurs want next in terms of how they grow. Do you do you see this as a as a result that shows that actually maybe things are going in the right direction while everyone's talking about what a disaster he is? It is difficult, of course, to say because this is
0: the nature of football, isn't it? You're so up and down, yeah, based on results is it's uh it's wild basically um and i am a bit giddy about having won the north london derby that i'd kind of pretty much written off um but yes i liked the way we had kane and son working together up front i thought that was a good idea it meant that there was more of uh, an ability to get balls to him and it seemed as though people felt clear about what their jobs were i think it's good that Alvaro is playing and scored a goal as well. That's a a good, um, that's just a good result, I think, especially given that Eric Dyer is uh, suspended at the moment. So I don't know, of course, I don't know if this is, Spurs building for the future many people have said that you know it doesn't really matter it's the sort of short term thinking that is the problem about Mourinho that we, we you know we sacked Poch we killed off that that hope and the the building towards something great whereas Arsenal have it they got Mikel Arteta he's got he's got plans he's going to create something you could all be right but in a sense you know Daniel Levy has given us a, a manager who is hopefully still able to win things mm. and whatever we say about how beautiful the football is, talk to any Spurs fan who's not lying to you because you're an Arsenal fan <laughs> over the last few years. And it is it is it's shameful that it's been this long without Tottenham winning any kind of silverware and I don't even really count that League Cup.
2: So do you do you look at those players and see them responding to Mourinho next year? Because I, I think one of the... One of the issues I have, in, I suppose, in terms of how I view Spurs, is that because Mourinho operates in such a manner, and because one of the main highlights of his tenure there has been his relationship with Ndombolo, mm.
3: you
2: actually just you actually extrapolate that and assume it among all the players. When actually, when you think about it, when he came in, it um, coincided with an upturn in form for Deli Ali, which was a huge deal at the time because we were building towards Euro twenty twenty, where legitimately you could you could have grounds for for leaving him out. He, re, he rejuvenated him um son had an upturn in form as well and now you're kind of as you say you you know Alaldeviard scored and I was at his um his first start project restart against uh West Ham I think it was yeah and you know even leading up to that you're like oh god you know is he falling out with Alaldevira as well um and evidently he hasn't I think that's that's something that will be interesting come next season how much of these issues that We've conflated to an extent because of because of our jobs because we talk about it every you know five times a week. Mm. How much of that is actually true, and how bad are these relationships genuinely? Mm. Because Spurs fans, by and large, are pretty demoralised um, for a lot of the reasons that you've already outlined. But behind the scenes, what actual work is being done to sustain this and to, to create something there? Because as we've we've said a lot during this period, we can't really judge. A lot of these teams on what's going on in this kind of clusterfuck of a finish, even for the teams yeah. that are doing well, even for even Manchester United, even my team, I'm reticent to come in with Correct. any kind of optimism mm. until I actually see something next year in relatively normal circumstances that hints at something long term. And so, for that reason, I suppose, yeah, you know, we, we should give it to Spurs, we should give it to Jose Mourinho. And what is
0: his name? For oh, fuck's sake.
2: <laughs> and, and maybe next season I'll
0: get that right as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Bish. I think you're absolutely right.
4: I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. We should really, really move on. But um, obviously Spurs fans for a long time had the reputation of uh, 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 next season, next season. Uh, there was a point during uh, the game where I was just daydream about daydreaming about what it would have been like if... Hugo Lloris had carried a Mustafi overhead kick over the line for Arsenal to win because that very, very nearly happened. And that's what we've been reduced to. It's multiverse theory. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, are we allowed to give Jim a hug?
0: I don't think it's allowed at the moment moment, unless unless you want to move in with him, I think. That'll be be worth two weeks for to be able to hug. Things are escalating... (laughs) faster than i anticipated with this new ramble crew um i mean i guess jim one last thing to leave you with is that uh uh, kim McCauley on twitter mentioned that a a thing to consider that david louise's salary so viv minima's wage is two percent of david louise's so if you consider that she's probably one of the greatest players in the women's game She's, she's not funny, though,
2: is she? She's not a clown like David de
0: No, yeah. and I, th- I would say more, more, more clowns. The more clowns, the better. It's not
4: easy to be a clown. It takes a lot of work.
2: You've got to go to college, haven't you?
4: Exactly. In France, in some cases. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's go to a break. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Thanks for sticking with us. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Now it's time for a recap of Betway's 4 to Score. You know the drill by now. Every week we pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches. You could be in with a chance of winning a massive cash prize yourself. We play along. We announce our picks in the previous show every Friday. So here is how we got on. It was actually quite a big week, to be honest. Andy Russell, first up. Wolves Everton. An absolute flyer there, as is traditional. He picked Raul Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Penalty, just before half time. Finally.
1: We were Finally. on
0: our way. Yeah. I don't know about you, Jim, but I was getting pretty excited at this point. <laughs> I thought the the money for charity had our name on it. Jules picked Luka Milivojevic in Aston Villa against Crystal Palace. A decent idea. Yeah. Penalty specialist.
4: I've made that pick myself. Have you? I see, I, yeah. It's a classic pick. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, Trezeguet, think, though... There was no
0: there were no there would to be no goals for Palace. Uh Trezeguet scored both for Villa. So by this stage we were out, but we were still feeling good about ourselves. Luke then picked Pierre Emerico Bamiang in the North London Derby. Alexander Lacazette scored that gorgeous strike, frankly. Um, um, a high point for Arsenal, which we can all celebrate. Uh but we finished strongly. Marcus, Marcus Speller correctly picked Jamie Vardy. That is a vintage pick yeah. in Bournemouth versus Leicester, although I'm not sure he could have predicted what would come next, which is what we're about to go on to. One customer did pick the first three goal scorers correctly, but then didn't go for Jamie
2: oh, Vardy. Yeah. Oh, crikey. Yeah,
4: they'll be kicking themselves. Absolutely <laughs> kicking themselves.
2: I, I genuinely can't believe that. When when I saw that in the running order, I thought that's got to be some kind of wind-up because I don't think you can. Like... Yeah, I think mean, you would kick yourself. I would be... Oh, I, I, I'm so sorry for you. Whoever you are, yeah. I'm so, so <laughs> sorry for you.
0: We have, you have our commiserations hugely there. The £100,000 jackpot now rolls over for another week. So do get involved. We'll be back with another round of picks for Betway's 4 to Score on this Friday's preview show. Two out of four. That equals our best ever tally, doesn't it, Jim?
4: I think so. Yeah. it's uh It's hard, but it's, you know, it's cool.
2: It's definitely not in the kind of... In The canon of Ramble Games, it fits quite neatly into something that, as a listener, I thought that's a piece of piss.
4: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. They, completely. Why they keep fucking this up? But at the same time, you you just you you want to go again each time, don't you? So here we are.
2: We go again.
0: Now. um just a quick word about some sad news that we had on Saturday morning that 1966 World Cup winner Jack Cholton had died at the age of 85 on Friday uh, after suffering from lymphoma and dementia. England fans, of course, remember him as a legend part of that one-off England side. But he's also revered in some ways even more in Ireland for Mm. managing the Republic to their highest ever, well, their first World Cup and then their highest ever World Cup finish. Uh, The quarterfinals at Italian 90 He's also treasured by a number of clubs He managed Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle, but... None more so, of course, than Leeds United, where he spent his entire playing career, 23 years, unbelievable mm. time. And he won the league there for the first time in Leeds history, as well as the FA Cup, the League Cup, uh, both of those won against Arsenal, actually, Jim, and the inter Fairs Cup. Over the weekend, he was honoured, you would have seen, before every Premier League game and, and in the Championship, and nowhere more so than at Leeds, uh, where he still holds the record for appearances. they also Honoured him on the pitch, actually. Late Pablo Hernandez, uh, winner against Swansea. Three points clear at the top. Fitting tribute, really. They they could be going through to the top flight leads when they host Barnley on Thursday. And There have been a lot of messages on his death, of course, uh, concerning not just what a great player and a great guy he was, but what a great friend and family member. At the news broke when I was at Sky on Saturday morning and it was just so easy to find people who wanted to talk about you know their memories of mm. of what a great man he was.
2: I think what well, yeah it's one of the most telling things that I found on um, on social media was that it wasn't just the scale of people and the kind of broad church of of football fans who have been touched by him but also everyone seemed to have a different kind of story. You know, I think I even saw um some guy um a Newcastle fan tweeting his thanks to jack charlton for calming down his son in the supermarket and it was a photo of jack charlton um with this uh, son in a trolley and yeah it's uh, that, that's kind of the measure of the man he was also kind of a really highly regarded pundit as well and i think a lot of people who worked with him say that his his views on football were very progressive given um how i suppose how how little football had evolved at a certain period um you know during the 80s and uh yeah, yeah. As you said, the testimonies really speak for themselves. Mm.
4: There's a really interesting piece by Kevin Ged in the uh, in the Guardian uh, talking about uh, Jack Charlton's legacy at Ireland and how actually the the, the tactical um, thing he touched on Irvish, um how he'd try and get them to kind of win the ball back in the opposition's half, which at the time seemed kind of revolutionary. And it's like it's a little bit little bit Guardiola is it a little bit high press maybe it's you know maybe was over praising it a little bit but he also spoke about how um, when he was managing Ireland he never he, he, he can't remember him speaking about ever having won the World Cup which is amazing isn't it you would expect any of those players to say well when we won the World Cup we did this we did that but apparently he was a bit too humble for that which is really nice and yeah he'll be a big loss
0: that's a lovely way to leave it so Let's get back to the Premier League football, guys. Um, We're going to talk a bit more about the relegation battle or the end of the relegation battle uh, for Norwich, I'm afraid. Norwich fans, sorry guys. Uh, But we're going to just have a little mention of Bournemouth 4, Leicester 1. On match of the day 2, it would have been last night, yeah, Mark Chapman... Um, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable ramble moment where he said something along the lines of, you know, sometimes in football you can do all the highbrow analysis you want, but occasionally a game just changes on the goalkeeper kicking the ball into the arse of a teammate."
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, very much so. It really did change as well. It's like everything, like, it was like an absolute sort of textbook implosion, wasn't it? Everything that could could sort of go, go a bit wrong just did, to the point where it, like, it activated Dominic Solanke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a sleeper agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, you, yeah. they always say that there's like a phrase that, that really, you know, triggers, you know, an agent to go a bit nuts, but it was actually just someone getting the ball kicked really hard in his ass. Yeah. Sionchu as well. That was... <laughs> do, you not, do you not think Sionchu looks... Like, do you remember those little Corinthian football figurines where they were like, you know, a little small body on a green plinth with a big head? Yeah. Do you not think he looks like the equivalent of that of Carls Puyol.
4: <laughs> Maybe, like, who's been touched up to look a bit like a vampire oh, and, a, well. and
2: a little bit of Lord Farquaad from Shrek.
4: Yes, very yes. much so. Very, very much See, you've so.
0: you've got that reference. Yeah, it's a cultural Shrek? reference I can get on there board you with. you Only Shrek... I would say only Shrek one, though, not the rest.
2: <laughs> you know Eddie Murphy is the donkey from Shrek, don't you? Yes. but And that's it, isn't it? Yes. Right, okay. What do you do all day? <laughs> I just...
0: List FA Cup winners <laughs> and try and name obscure players in the NWSL. Uh, this, is
2: really, sorry, uh, this is really so. This is going to be a massive tangent because you're w- really well read and you can tell it in how you pronunciate certain uh, pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I've you
4: second guess yourself I've there, didn't myself, you? I've
0: done myself here, haven't <laughs> that I? That really mean? often happens, doesn't it? Yeah. People are trying to say, oh, I mispronounced that, and they always go, yeah. <laughs> it just
2: turns into an absolute shit show. But yeah, you're, you, know, you know how to pronounce things, and I don't, basically, is what I'm trying to say.
0: I am actually fascinated by, um, yeah, this is a tangent. I'm actually fascinated by trying to know how different countries, for example, you know, the other day when I said... I say it's a hard, it's yeah, a hard J because yeah. it's Portuguese. But I just think it's really it, cool to be able to work yeah. out where players are from and thus be able to
2: um, be—I sh- don't know—try and pronounce it. Yeah, no, that's—it's that's, that's, that's that's good quality. After. It's very, very empathetic. But it's just—I like the way it stops. Uh, I'm gonna—I'll do all the sensible stuff, and I don't care about any of that other shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just look. What can I say? I just had a lot of violin
0: practice to be doing when I was a kid. Um, yes, Dominic Solanke at 791 days between his first Premier League goal and his second. That's amazing. And then
4: he gets two. He nutmegs Casper Schmeichel with a second one. <laughs> it's genuinely amazing to see that sort of flow of confidence in act- in action, isn't it? Like this you know, we talk about, you know, talent and ability and training and preparation and all these different things. But like you could see those Bournemouth players, especially when they when they were three one up, how it would just the, the all of the tension had gone out of it. They were enjoying it, you know, and actually like pinging it about quite nicely, and just in a crazy moment from Songyanchu, it felt like how on some of the old FIFA games, like you could you could stick one on someone <laughs> if the whistle had gone and you would get yeah. away with it. It's like he forgot that it would still count and he'd still get in trouble.
2: That, that's a, that's another example of um, I, I suppose how in in football that things can switch. It switched for Solanke there, as you say, because he got the goal and suddenly his confidence rose. And for Sionchu, who has made his name as a very disciplined defender, mm. had a moment of no, I just want to kick you really, really hard, and I'm going to do that now. Yeah, because even when he walked off, he, was, he knew exactly what he'd done. Oh, yeah, and there, there was something quite wonderful about, and maybe actually to be fair, he did a you know Christian Benteke got sent off for Palace, yeah. and now he's out for the season. I wonder if Sionji thought, well, if you gotta go early on the beach. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Do it with some style, I suppose. It's uh it, it kind of comes back to my theory that if something is bad for Aston Villa that it will happen though. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they even won and it's still kind of caught up with them a little bit. It's I'm I'm scared for them. But this like, do you think this gives Bournemouth any hope? They've got Man City next. Well, so that's si- <laughs> obviously not ideal.
0: Sixteen to nineteen in the table all won over the weekend, which yeah, poor West Ham and Watford, frankly. They must have thought, oh, we've done our job mm. here. There's no chance, Bournemouth, having seen that uh, performance against Spurs.
2: Do you know what I'm anticipating, though? Because West Ham and Watford are playing each other on Friday. Yeah. yeah. And we could be in a Sweden-Denmark situation where they they might take a cheeky little draw, mm. just put themselves that little bit further away. They're currently three points ahead of Bournemouth. Um, you the, are storming today, Bish. Allegations of match-fixing. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, you know. They might want to meet each other again next year. They just keep it friendly.
0: Um, for Leic- as for Leicester, they could drop out of the top four for the first time since September tonight. Manchester yeah. United, of course, up against Southampton. So depending on the result of that
2: game. Sort of an extraordinary situation, and it Leicester. is a top
4: four again as well, it is which a top they have four. perhaps taken for granted. It would seem. Do
2: you remember that um, that speed skating uh, in the Olympics where the four blokes are running around and the Australians just chilling at the back, and, and then, then they, they all fall over? Oh, and uh, he goes through. That's what I'm suspecting for Ole's big boys.
0: Well, it's good that two of us can have a bit of enjoyment out of this pod yeah. today. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Norwich now because they are confirmed as being relegated it's a bit of a sad one really Daniel Farker's side scored lots and lots of goals in the championship last season came up people we were we thought they were going to play lovely football keep attacking Um, but in the end they weren't really able to attack and they also weren't really able to defend Um, there was an interesting little Opta heat map of uh, where they're their shots and their goals have been scored from last season and this season. And well, last season they had 91 goals. Uh, apart it. So that excludes penalties in this season, 23. Um, and the fact was they kept still trying to make take those shots from outside of the box, but they didn't score yeah. any out of the box. So clearly it's more difficult to play football in the Premier League than it is in the Championship. But in some senses, you feel as though Daniel Farker didn't really get a lot of help.
2: No, no, and I think a lot of that was because they they set their stall out pretty early on, to be honest, that when they earned promotion, they knew it was ahead of schedule and they didn 't want to spend beyond their means, which is why they actually did sign quite a few players, just no players that would improve, improve them for the Premier League yeah ugly one of their one of their biggest bits of business was signing a who 's been one of their better players mm. this season, and so, surely will go now well he was, he signed a four year deal, I think at the start of um, in June 2019, yeah, um, and I think, think that was with a proviso of, of buying into this project that they are going to scrap. But you know, I think it was telling that Daniel Farker in his post-match interview over the weekend, said that even at the start of the season, he told his players, he actually told his players, it was only five percent chance that they were going to stay up. Um, and I, you know, I, I remember speaking to um someone around the club, and I asked them, I think this was in about. November time. I was like, do you reckon if things got bad enough that you'd sack Daniel Falker despite the fact that, you know, he's got you to this place earlier than expected? And the response back was, Well, he's bought a house. And I think that was <laughs> that was reflective of, of how comfortable they were and also the fact that they know that the Premier League is is not a kind of financial fight that they want to get in. They don't want to be in a situation like West Hammer where they spend a hundred million and just keep their heads above water because yeah. they're not robust enough to deal with that and there is one side of me that does respect it and I also think that if we're going to judge them on being relegated this season we could probably hold off in terms of you know really peppering their structure and peppering Daniel Farker and wait to see how they actually come out of the following season where they get back up and, and what they're like when they come back to the Premier League say in the next Two years, three years, because if they come back and they're much the same, then you kind of think, you know, what is this all for? Why don't you just give it a go? They need to learn some serious lessons from how they conduct themselves on the field. Because of the teams that got promoted last year, the only team that could afford to play as they normally do was Sheffield United, yeah. mm. as the league shows. Um, so they can take the moral high ground and say that right, we didn't spend beyond our means and we're comfortable with that. But they've got some very disgruntled fans who haven't been particularly happy with how they've acquitted themselves particularly since the restart which I suppose can also be down to the fact that they haven't had their usually good home support at Carrow Road but at the same time I hate to kind of say this because it's it's kind of it's been blighted by the state of modern football and I think it's endemic of the subject we talked about at the top of the show but what use is it being promoted to the Premier League if your immediate worry has to be fuck will we go out of business here if we try and compete yeah. It's, a,
4: it's a tough um, it's a tough plan to execute though isn't it Because the championship is it's not like it's easy championship's really really tough on its own on its own you know merits so planning for the Premier League from within the championship is also is a hell of a a hell of a job and it just makes you wonder will this become the norm because I think Norwich have now become like the most relegated teams in the Premier this League is the fifth, this is this the fifth time, time yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I mean you look at the, the teams like West Brom well, who could well come back up who've, who've been up, up and down a few times and you think actually is this going to be sort of you know we look at the sort of uh, kind of the Burnley model and you could argue that Stoke did that before where they try and stay into in the Premier League by playing this style of football that actually effectively blunts a lot of the other Premier League styles as the the money gets more and more ridiculous and as the sort of COVID restrictions kick in, maybe we're going to see teams that are kind of actually happy to be a yo-yo team. Where like a yo-yo team is an ambition. And it yeah. looks like Norwich are kind of banking on that.
0: Do do enjoy the idea that buying a house is the sort of thing you could do to state your claim on yeah. a job. So you like come to an interview and you're like oh, you know, what have you asked to lately? Well, I've actually just bought a house around the corner. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, but, that's
0: what I did to Ramble actually.
2: But, I've just bought a house. <laughs> but the but, but that's I suppose that's just the nature of, of football now, isn't it? That you can get rid of Manages so quickly that I think they would be reticent to Commit. lay down any routes wouldn't they mm.
4: um, yeah
0: stay in the
2: la- Larry.
4: Yeah, <laughs> without your family yeah.
0: <laughs> um, let me just read you a quick email from Nick Saxton on Norwich he says hi team I understand Luke has come in for some hefty criticism for suggesting that a team bottom of the league with the fewest goals scored and second worst defensive record it's actually now the first worst after this weekend but might not actually be that good of course this isn't to say they don't play technically proficient, uh, proficient football when they're on the ball but football is more than that as a Leeds fan I watched a lot of Norwich last season mainly in the hope that they would slip up at some point I was forever filled with hope because their defence was distinctly average then and they have done absolutely nothing to improve it since. In the Championship they performed so many dramatic comebacks and they had to because they constantly conceded sloppy goals. I love the way they play going forward but you just can't ignore that occasionally you need to do some actual defending. Tell that to Arsenal. (laughs) They overcame those deficiencies last season by scoring a ridiculous number of goals, but no one could have expected them to be able to replicate that in the Premier League. Keep up the good work. You made lockdown easier. Much love, Nick. Thank you, Nick. And if you want to get in touch with the show, um, send us praise. Go on. We'll read it out.
2: <laughs> um, it's Show at footballrambledaily.com It's a really interesting conundrum there and probably one that us three around the table can't identify with. But if you're coming into the Premier League do you want to play in a manner that got you there in the first place, it, which is you know, part of the reason that you, we all fall in, in love with clubs for different reasons, but we fall in love with specific players and managers because of the style of play, and especially when it brings success. And and that, that is something that us three around the table can agree with. But when you go to the Premier League, you do have to change, don't you? If, you, if you're not one of the clubs who are lucky enough to, say, be a Newcastle, where when they drop down, they're able to come back up and just tweak a few things here and there. If you mm. do need a complete line change in, in every sense, then yeah, is that fun as a fan? Yeah, exactly. like, do you enjoy
4: that? It's such a tough thing, isn't it? You've got to change completely, change your style completely and be much better than you were in your old style is effectively the challenge that so many of them face.
2: And and it's really um, reflective of certain players as well. And this is kind of a neat segue, but Mikhail Antonio is absolutely that kind of player, that West Ham... Is, but, <laughs> Sorry, did you just applaud your own segue? I think I did, yeah, before mm. I'd even got there. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but but with Antonio, Antonio is exactly the kind of player who, he's very hardworking um, and his strengths kind of rest in his enthusiasm rather than his his quality with the ball at his feet. And West Ham absolutely think they're too good for that kind of player. And that kind of player generally thrives in lower clubs. And I'm thinking kind of people like Jamie Mackey as well, who Mm. just run and run and run and run and run. Shane Long. Yes, and Shane Long. And West Ham have spent so much money trying to, I suppose, downgrade Antonio. And now he is their main striker scoring those four goals in the weekend. And getting a bit of joy and suddenly kind of you know he is one of the main bright sparks of West Ham and incidentally because his personality is so infectious he's kind of got got a few of um, you know a few of the neutrals on side as well but yeah it is it is kind of interesting because you you Antonio is a kind of player that would get you promoted and then you might just have to bin you know if you want to sign that kind of Sebastian Haller for example mm. so yeah it's um yeah it's a it's a strange situation that I I don't envy of any of any teams that come up and, and those sets of fans either a, well, a
4: great need- haul from him though from Antonio, that third goal. The most Antonio the mo- yeah. goal of all time. Unbelievable. Yeah.
0: All you need to get back in form or to get in form or to score four goals is for Vish to nominate you for Betway forward to score. So there keep an go. eye on it,
2: yeah. people. That's what I'm saying, yeah. His, uh, his interview as well, when he uh, he was talking about like, so he's the first West Ham player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League. In the previous West Ham player to do so in the top flight was Tony Cotty, I think, for the Premier League era. But he, so the... Um, the interviewer told that to him. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm also the first person to score four as well, for something." And then started reading out like, reading off other accolades that he clearly just been told about. Yeah, oh, and I, I love that. Because yeah, I love it, that. I, I feel like. I know that a lot of players, as part of their media training, do do what they can to downplay their own personal achievements. But it's just nice to see someone excited about something they've done. You know. Yeah, it really is. And um, what the movement in,
0: in generally in the relegation battle over the weekend means is, as we mentioned, all the clubs, uh, apart from in the relegation battle, apart from Norwich, of course, uh, won. West Ham sent Norwich down. Thanks, Michael Antonio. Watford beat Newcastle. Bournemouth fought Leicester, one we've talked about. And Villa beat. Crystal Palace, West Ham host Watford mm. on Friday the, for a the, cheeky
4: one-one. The ferryman has taken Norwich down. We all thought it would be with West Ham, but he's he's branching out. This is bad news for Watford in particular.
0: This is serious. Keep an eye on that one. Does that uh, does that help Villa though?
4: Your theory is blown
0: wide open. Uh, that's
4: true. I mean, well, the, uh, maybe the ferryman's going to have a say in the theory as well. <laughs>
0: Hmm. You More on that cool. to follow. <laughs> um, we need to get to some serious news before we wrap things up, which is that a song called My Miggy <laughs> appears to have gone to number three in Paraguay. And it's part of an EP called Toon Army Season, spelled with a c yeah
4: season with a c i it? think
0: it's because there is a swedish rapper called Mix c we we're alerted to this by a tweet and we absolutely love it he has created an album that is focused around core members of the newcastle squad including uh, sm fabian share and of course miguel almiron choice lyrics uh such as Oh, John Joe Shelby as well. Yonyo yo yon yo Shelbyman is one of the the
2: riffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ferryman and the Shelby. <laughs>
4: the, the Fabian Shah song features. He's a Maradona at the back. He is. I love that.
0: And I think something about if he slept with his girlfriend,
4: it'll be all right. Something like that, yeah. I think that's a true. So we don't endorse
0: it? necessarily the messages contained
2: within, but. Well,
4: you know, they might be in a loving, open relationship. That's when right, it's yeah. not for us to judge. Though. Yeah, that's Point.
2: very off brand for a rapper, because rappers usually um, talk about stealing other people's girlfriends. Yeah.
4: He's he's quite open to this with Newcastle players. Come one, come all. It's it's really interesting. One of the lyrics is "We are the Georgie Boys. We're going to win the football league and we're going to win the cup." But which makes it sound like he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's (laughs) there's a lot of references throughout. It's like, yeah, no, he clearly lives and breathes Newcastle. He's got a Newcastle tattoo on his chest as well. Well, He's just going to be
0: optimistic. Yeah,
4: it's great. Give it a listen. I'll put a link in the uh, in the um, synopsis and do give it a listen.
0: Who would you be singing about if you had to record an, an EP? About Arsenal, Jim.
4: About Arsenal, um, I would. I maybe, think after the
2: weekend, Emmy Martinez is your only bet. To I, don't be honest. Know, I think maybe also well, that Emi mean, Martinez is a name that you can do a lot with. Yeah. It rhymes with a lot. You can kind of stretch it out.
4: So there's a lot of places to start. Really, I suppose. Stepanovs, Mustafi, Gallas, and David Luiz, Andre Santos, Kieran Gibbs, and Cole Jenkinson, Armand Traore, Seb Szkalaci, Senderos again, Debushi, Gabriel, Johan, Jaru and Michael Silvestre. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's that many questionable Arsenal defenders that you can do a Billy Joel parody about it. Completely off the cuff, obviously.
2: (laughs) Impressive stuff. Do you have a completely off the cuff United riff for us, Fish? No, I don't. I've never been a good freestyler, to be honest, even though I I did actually try once when I was young, which we wouldn't go (laughs) into. Is it available online at all? It is not available online, thank fuck. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I have a an ex who would happily share that with you. But, um... Get I, in touch. <laughs> Shout <share laughs> out Daily, com. Genuinely, I, I, you know, I might as well go into it. Um, I, I don't know why I did this, but um, to to woo her, I would memorise bits of um, hip-hop lyrics and I ended up memorising the entire Nelly rap in the NSYNC Girlfriend remix, which is... I'm Which I still remember, and I won't be doing. But as I move on please will you do it no no I can't I can't do it can you please do it I really can't do it I'm going to need the music and I'm not going to do it mm. and we can't <laughs> use music on
0: podcasts
4: exactly. oh, no. That's too I'm not going to do it is the main reason <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bring out the old jazz flute um, no so I actually I, I couldn't really think of too many people to rap about but I thought I thought like who would I like to see rap in that United team hmm. and it's Phil Jones Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because, so, like, there was... um, During the 90s, there was a group called Farside, and one of their rappers went solo in, like, 2000s, a guy called Fatlip. And his style was renowned as being, like... Well, I mean, basically, why it was so different was that he was really downtrodden, and it was all about misery. And he would rap, basically, about losing girlfriends and kind of being out of luck and being at work um what's up fat lib would be one of his um, famous songs um and i like the idea that phil jones is just kind of like reeling off an album of just his own mistakes and the front cover obviously is that image of him you know crawling on the floor uh, so yeah, I, I, I want to hear. I want to. I want to give Phil Jones studio time to give me sixteen bars. Basically, that's what. I, that's all I want for the rest of the season.
4: I'd like to see him as a hype man, just sort of gurning in the background <laughs> of someone else doing their thing.
2: <laughs> I think just if
4: occasionally I... sliding in to back up a line
2: <laughs> and taking out the DJ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would release obviously a pop song about Heung-min Son called the Heung-min Song song oh, or Heung-min Song. Jung Min's song yeah,
2: yeah. I, re- I reckon Lamelo would be quite a good rapper because he's a bit he's a bit grimy he's a bit nasty isn't he I reckon he could do you a proper good diss track let's get on to it pull in the contacts see what mm. we can do you didn't get you didn't get any of those references did you
4: I was hoping to move the conversation <laughs> on you knew all the words individually put <laughs> together and they made no sense
2: yes and you could pronunciate them properly but other than that <laughs> I think in some ways that's
0: the kind of activity we're going for with this football ramble, isn't it? All the all the words are broadly in here. Yeah.
4: Do you know, like when you is it wa- coherent? Some we've made
0: up.
2: Do you know, like you you talk about, like oh, if if an alien came to Earth and took human form, you know, would you be able to suss it out? It's me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's what you
0: would say. Mm. I would say I was an alien. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell. That's been the Football Ramble. Say goodbye, Jim. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Vish. Goodbye. I've been Casper the Friendly Ghost. Tomorrow's show, Marcus, Andy, and Pete. Don't miss it. See you next time.
2: Doesn't work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This was a Stakhanov production.
3: Hold up. What was that?